Ah, well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all. Those of you who are joining us in person, want to welcome you. Those of you who are joining us online, welcome. So glad that uh, we can be in your living room or in your car with you, however you are tuning in right now. Uh, Those of you in your condo at Florida right now on spring break, in the spirit of uh, Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. We rejoice with you. And uh, we're glad that uh, you are here with us as well. And we hope that it doesn't rain on your spring break at all. There's not a bit of us that hopes that it rains while you are there. Hey, if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, turn with me to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. We are going to be spending the next four weeks actually in this, uh, in this chapter. Uh, looking at the first 13 verses uh, to guide our new series um, called Teach Us to Pray. So Luke chapter 11. In our text today, the guys that are following Jesus, they, they ask him a question that I think um, that I would probably ask him if, if I were to be able to sit down face to face with him. It might be a question that you would ask him as, as well. They, they ask Jesus to teach them how to pray. And, and I don't know about you, but prayer is one of those things that, that for me, it has always been this very mysterious, almost mystical thing that I find myself inherently drawn to. And like, I don't know if it, you know, scripture tells us that, that God has planted eternity in our hearts. And so I, I don't know if there's, if, if that's the reason why, why so many people seem to be inherently drawn to prayer, even if they don't really know who or what they are praying to, even if they don't have a fully formed theology, if, if that's why we just see this, this pull towards prayer of so many, because there's just something in us that longs to connect with something that is greater than us. And, and so oftentimes we find that connection through, through prayer. And so it's this, it's this thing that I've always feel, feel like I've been drawn to and, and as the object of the one who I am praying to becomes more evident and more clear, I find that instead of having more answers about how to pray, I actually have more questions about it. I, I wonder, am I praying correctly? Am I doing it enough? I, I often feel like I wrestle with my prayer life more than I wrestle with things in prayer. My guess is that I'm not the only one in here this morning that sometimes feels that way. We have all of these questions about prayer and, and, and the function of it and the reason for it. And if that's you today, I hope that maybe you find some solace, and as I do, that, that we're not alone. In fact, the disciples in a lot of ways were in the same boat that, that we're in. They probably had as many of the same questions and insecurities about prayer that, that you and I do. And we catch a glimpse of that in the beginning of our text today. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse one, it says this, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. Now let's just kind of push pause right there because I, I want to make sure we don't miss the magnitude of this. This is absolutely incredible that Jesus, God in flesh is praying. And we're going to talk over the next couple of weeks about, about why Jesus spent so much time in prayer. I mean, why Jesus, who is God walking on earth, spent so much time in prayer with God. We're going to talk about that, but, but for our purposes today, I just want to make sure that we, that we don't miss this fact that Jesus was praying and that this isn't the only time in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that tell the story of Jesus' life. This isn't the only time that we read of Jesus praying. In fact, we see that this was a habit that he was just kind of in the rhythm of doing. Oftentimes, we, we read of Jesus in all of the Gospels spending time in prayer. 
praying with people, praying for his disciples. Uh, we, we even read that there are times where the disciples look up and they're like, where did Jesus go? Like we've lost Jesus. And, and they go and they search for him and where they find him is in a solitude place, praying, spending hours upon hours in prayer. And, and what we see from that is that Jesus' life and his ministry were fueled by prayer. Prayer was what helped guide his path and his ministry. And just by that example alone, Jesus teaches us so much about prayer, about the value of a rich prayer life. But in Luke chapter 11, he also teaches us other things about prayer. Things like its priority, its purpose, its power. And all of this teaching in the first 13 verses of Luke chapter 11 stems from this simple request at the end of verse one. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now many have pointed out over the years that there must have been something so unique about the way Jesus prayed that his disciples realized, Jesus, we don't pray like you do. In fact, we've never seen anyone pray like you do. And it's interesting that this is the only record that we have of the disciples asking Jesus to teach them how to do something. And and the list of options that they had to choose from was was endless. Like they didn't say, hey, Jesus, that turning water into wine thing was pretty cool. and might come in handy. Could you teach us how to do that? (laughs) They didn't say, hey, Jesus, all those miracles that you perform, those are incredible. Can you teach us how to do that? Jesus, that walking on water thing could really come in handy. (laughs) Could you teach us how to do that? They didn't ask for any of those things. Instead, they said, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? And I think the reason why they asked about prayer is because they realized that all of those other functions in Jesus' life, everything else that they saw in him flowed out of this abundant prayer life that he had. And so that was what they wanted to learn more about. And so after they watched him pray that day, one of them said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And in verse two, we read, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. In this passage, Jesus teaches us his model for prayer. It's why it's often referred to as the Lord's Prayer. We see the same model taught by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter six. In fact, that that might be the one that that we're more familiar with. And you may have even heard, as I've hidden this passage in my heart, there's, there's, there's parts of it that are just, that vary just enough that as I read it, I can't help but say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in, in heaven. And it, and it would make sense that Jesus would use this model multiple times to teach us how to pray, because this is Jesus' way of saying, when you pray, this is how you do it. And so it comes up in the Sermon on the Mount when he's teaching about prayer. And it comes up again in Luke chapter 11, when his disciples ask him to teach them how to pray. And I think in this model, not only do we learn how to pray, we also learn a little bit about what the purpose of prayer is. And today I just wanna take this piece by piece And let Jesus teach us, maybe afresh, how to pray and why to pray. 
starting with that word, Father. And we can approach God as our Father with this childlike trust, knowing that he cares for us, that he protects us, that he provides for us. We can approach him knowing that he is concerned for us. Prayer reminds us that God is deeply personal, approachable, and near. And right off the bat, Jesus wants to make sure that we have a proper understanding of who it is that we're talking to. That he's not this far off, disconnected, uninterested deity. He didn't just wind the clock and then walk away. That he is still intimately involved in our lives and what we experience He's a father who holds us in his arms when we are scared, who comes to our rescue when we are in need and who delights in us as dearly loved children. Think about that. Let's never miss the magnitude of that, that God, when he looks at you, sees you as a dearly loved child. And that when we put our faith in Jesus, we are adopted into his family. He becomes our father. But while God is deeply personal, he is also uniquely set apart, which is, which is what Jesus means when he says, hallowed be your name. We make the name of God holy when we approach him with reverence and with awe. It's not just in how we use God's name. <laughs> We're talking about that quite a bit with our seven and eight-year-old girls in second and third grade as their friends are using God's name in a certain way that we're like, hey, we want to take a little bit more respect of God's name than than that. Making God's name holy is not just in how we use it. It is also in the attitude in which we approach him. We make God's name holy in the way and the position and the humility with which we approach him. So the purpose of prayer is not just asking for what we need. It's also reminding ourselves that we are in the presence of the eternal God where there is no one equal like him in the universe. He is the maker of heaven and earth. And this is the God who invites us into his presence. And I think that the longer we spend reflecting on God as our father and God as the creator of all things around us, his, the theological words for that are his, his eminence and his transcendence. His eminence in that he is near and close to us. His transcendence in that he is otherly and powerful and mighty. The more we spend time reflecting on those two characteristics of God, the more it puts everything else into perspective including what we ought to pray about and what our lives ought to be about. He goes on, your kingdom come. And oftentimes when we think of the word kingdom, we think of a territory, we think of power and and, and rule. But God's kingdom is not a territory measured out by borders or protected by walls. God's kingdom is both a present reality and a future hope. Those of us who have put our faith in Jesus for our salvation, we look forward to the day when Jesus will return to establish God's kingdom once and for all and usher in a new heaven and a new earth. We long for the day. and Man, many of us, we long for it even more after this past year and everything that we've been through. We long for the day when pain and brokenness and death are no more. 
when those things are no longer a part of our story and everything will be as God intended it to be. That is the hope of a future kingdom that we hold on to. And when we pray, your kingdom come, we are praying, Lord, make it happen and make it happen soon. But we're also praying for God's kingdom to come as a present reality on earth now. When we pray your kingdom come, we are committing to partner with God to bring his kingdom to this earth now, his way of life and love and serving others, restoring the people and the systems that sin has broken and inviting others to find new life and a fresh start through Jesus. And so when Jesus invites us to pray for God's kingdom to come, he's inviting us to look ahead to the day when God will redeem and restore all things and renew what sin has destroyed. But he's also inviting us not just to look ahead, but to look around and to find ways that we can partner with him to bring heaven just a little bit closer to earth in the lives of others, in the ways that we love and in the ways that we serve. And Jesus tells us that this is part of the purpose of prayer. Now, before we get to anything that we want, we first surrender to what God wants. The purpose of prayer is not for our will to be done in heaven, but for God's will to be done on earth. It's not about telling God what we want and then sitting back and waiting for it to happen. The purpose of prayer is asking God to use us to accomplish what he wants so that his name can be glorified and made holy. His kingdom can advance through the world. And so that more people will come to know God is their heavenly father. And once we have done all of this and we have it all in order, we've surrendered our wills to him, we want what he wants, then we can begin to bring our request to him. And the first one is simply this, give us each day our daily bread. It's a prayer for God to give us the necessities of life, not necessarily the luxuries, but those things that we need in the moment. It's a recognition that we live in a constant state of dependency upon him for all things in our life, not just physically to sustain us, but emotionally and spiritually and mentally that he is the one who provides all of those things for us. And he typically provides them right when we need it. Several years ago, I was in Haiti working with a mission that we supported. And one afternoon, we were walking to a nearby village and a local pastor was, was with us. He was a young man about my age at the time. And he spoke just enough English that we were able to have a, a, just a robust conversation while we were walking, which is good because I spoke zero Creole. And, uh, and so we were able to have this conversation as we were walking that day. And a couple of miles into our, our journey, um, he pointed to this house that just was run down. I mean, it, it looked like a stiff wind would knock it over. A hard rain would just kind of wash it away. And he pointed to that house and he said, that's the house where I grew up in. And he said, my dad still lives there, but I'm not allowed to go in. And he started telling me that his dad uh, was a witch doctor in their village and that when this young man became a follower of Jesus, his dad didn't want to have anything to do with him. He kicked him out of the house, forbade him from even ever coming back. And, and, and he said, over the last two years since that happened, I haven't spoken to my father since. I, I'm able to see my mother every now and then in passing. And when we're in the same village, we'll communicate. But, but that's the extent of it. 
And so I asked him where he lives now. And he said, well, we'll come across that along the way a little bit further down the road. And so we kept walking, we kept talking. And a little while later, my, my friend pointed to these two trees that were down in kind of a, a, a grassy meadow valley area, two trees that just kind of stood alone. And you could see a little makeshift hammock that connected these two trees and a fire pit next to it and some odds and ends, kitchen utensils and pans. And he pointed to that place and he said, that's my home now. That's where I've lived for the last two years since my father kicked me out. And I asked him how he survived. And he told me something that I'll never forget and that even as I think about now, it puts my faith to shame. He said, I'm trusting God for my daily bread one day at a time. And he has always provided. And part of the purpose of prayer is to trust that God will provide all that we need when, when we need it. That he will provide today's bread. Not, not necessarily tomorrow's too, but today's bread. He will take care of today's problems. And the two of you can address tomorrow's problems when they come. Prayer is about surrendering to God's will and trusting him every day, every step of the way. If I'm honest, I surround myself with so many things that keep me from living with that kind of faith. And Jesus encouraged us to go back to this place where we realize our utter dependence on our Father, whatever those needs may be. And I think part of that surrendering and trust comes in this next section too. He says in verse four, forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And prayer aligns our heart to the heart of God in every way, including grace and forgiveness. And it takes a whole lot of faith and faithfulness to learn how to forgive in the same way that we have been forgiven. And there's, there, there's, there's a, a lot that I wanna unpack here that we just don't have time for today. Future sermon, maybe over coffee, about what it means to forgive, what it means to reconcile relationships in light of that forgiveness. But I think for, for what Jesus wants us to understand here in this model prayer, I think what he wants us to get is that part of the purpose of prayer is saying, God, I wanna take all that I have received from you and I want that to not just stop with me. I don't want it to be a lake where it just boils up and boils up and it becomes more and more until it overflows. I want it to flow through me. I want it to be a river to where this love and this grace and this forgiveness that I have received through faith in Christ and in you, I want that to flow through me to others. That as we spend time in prayer focusing on this vertical relationship with the Father, there is something that, that begins to affect and influence our horizontal relationships with others. And we take what we have seen and what we have experienced in the Father and we begin to share that with others. And I think that is especially true when it comes to this, when it comes to forgiveness and when it comes to extending the amazing grace that we have received. 
And then finally, he says, lead us not into temptation. Because honestly, we have enough, you know, ability of our own to find it ourselves. And so instead, Lord, help us find a better path to walk. A path that leads to a holy life set apart for him. Prayer reminds us just how prone we are to wander from God and that we are utterly lost and hopeless without his guidance leading us to holiness. And there's so much information in here, but basically it all boils down to this. The purpose of prayer is to recenter our scattered hearts and fearful minds upon the presence of our loving heavenly Father. That prayer is as much about asking God to do something for us as it is asking God to do something in us. Prayer reminds us that we are wholly dependent upon God's grace and care and provision and protection. And as we pray, we recenter our scattered hearts and our fearful minds upon the presence of God in our lives. The God who is our Father, who loves us, who is holy yet approachable whenever we call out to Him. He is in control of all things. The God who is our provider and our example of grace and forgiveness and the rescuer and the restorer from our temptation. And the purpose of prayer is to surrender our lives to him, to take our eyes off of all of the worries and the cares and the fears that want to consume us and instead fix our eyes squarely on the one who is good and who loves us and who listens to us when we cry out to him to fix our eyes on our father. And so this week, we encourage you to put this into practice, to make time to seek God's face in prayer. And here are a couple of ideas to get you started or to help you maybe take your next steps. First of all, if you're in here today and, and, and you've never prayed, you, you feel like there's no way that God wants to hear from someone like you that after where you've been, after what you've done, maybe even after what's been done to you, you're carrying all of this guilt and all of this shame and all of this fear and you think, God does not want to hear from me. And let me tell you, if God is willing to listen to someone like me, he is willing to listen to someone like you. And he loves you. And he invites you into his presence. And if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, that's the first step for God becoming this father to you is to place your faith in Jesus and what he has done, his death, his burial, and his resurrection to identify with him in baptism. And when you do, the promise of scripture is that we are adopted into God's family. He becomes our father. And this God that once we just cry out to, this God now becomes our father. He listens to us. He loves us. He listens to you and he loves you. And so if you have never prayed before, I want you to tell you God is waiting to hear from you. He will not turn you away. He will not turn you down. And if you don't know where to start, I encourage you start right here where we started today. Open up Matthew chapter six, verse nine. Open up Luke chapter 11, verse, verse two through four and just read the Lord's prayer. And maybe that's the extent, maybe that's all that you are able to do. I'm telling you, that is enough to get you started. Read that prayer, reflect on it and then do it again the next day and start to learn the practice and the rhythm of a rich, meaningful prayer life to your father. If you've been praying for as long as you can remember, 
May I encourage you this week to maybe spend some time going through the Lord's Prayer. And as you do, take an honest inventory to see if what you spend time praying about lines up with the model prayer that Jesus gives us. Because I'll be honest, there, there are times in my prayer life where, where I start, hey, God, good morning. Man, thanks for a great day. Um, so here's the list of all the things that I have on my agenda for you today. If you could just go ahead and get these done. Uh, if you could do it before I have breakfast, that would be especially nice. Got it? Okay, thanks. And I'm off and about my day. <laughs> but I think what, what God invites us into is the spirit where we learn how to rest in him, rely on him, surrender to him. And so I encourage you to evaluate your prayer life and if it aligns with what Jesus gives us as this model prayer, or if there are areas where you spend more time or less time and begin to make some shifts to live out this model prayer that Jesus gives us. And maybe this week you can try praying in a new way that you don't typically pray. If you pray in a quiet space each day, mix it up by going on, on a prayer walk. I've said before, I'll never forget the first time somebody told me that you could pray and walk with your eyes open at the same time. That was mind-blowing to me. And it revolutionized my prayer life. And so if you typically sit in a quiet room, hands folded, eyes closed, and you pray, there is nothing wrong with that. But I encourage you, mix it up a little bit. Go on a prayer walk with a friend, with yourself, with your dog. (laughs) Just walk around and talk to the Lord about the things that are on your heart, the things that you see. Spend some time in prayer as you walk this week. Our women's ministry put out a just, I think it's a great idea across several parks in our communities. Our women's ministry went and and placed these little wooden crosses with with prayer prompts on them. And you can find out um, where those parks are by going to socc.org slash women. It's for everyone. Uh, Families can get out and do it. Men, you can do it too. But just go out and, and walk these trails and look for those little crosses. And as you find them, just pick it up and let that guide your time of prayer. If you do a lot of along the way kind of praying throughout the day, block out some time this week for intentional, specific times of prayer. Write out your prayers. Maybe pray through scripture. If you pray in the same posture each day, change it up. If you can, get down on your knees. Maybe even lay prostrate before God. Fall on your face to the ground. Just even a small shift in your posture can change how you pray. Whatever you do, make time to seek God's face in prayer this week. And as you do, may your scattered heart and your fearful mind be recentered upon the presence and the peace of God in your life. Would you stand with me? I'll close this with a word of prayer. God, thanks for this gift that you have given us, that you have invited us into, that you, God, our Father, the maker of heaven and earth, desires to be in relationship with us and that you have given us this tool in prayer to where we can be in relationship with you. Lord, I pray that our wills and our kingdoms will surrender to yours and that we will be a part of what you want to do to bring this world back to to how you intended it, to bring heaven just a little bit closer to earth. Pray, Lord, that you will provide all of our needs, not just our physical, but our spiritual and our emotional ones as well. That, God, we will be able to take this forgiveness that we have received through Christ and extend it to others. And that, Lord, you will lead us down the path of righteousness for your namesake. 
Father, thank you that we can come into your presence and pray. And I pray, Lord, that this week we will do so even more in gratitude and in humility that you, God, that you, God, have invited us and not just invited us, you have taught us how to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.